Welcome to Growth Colony. I'm Alex from Xgrowth. Today we've got something a little different. We've got an edited version of our first ABM talk session we held on Friday the 19th of March. ABM talks are open AMA style sessions for ABM experts and the curious to discuss what's happening in the world of account-based marketing and ABX. If you want to participate in one of these sessions, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Today, we're tackling the topic of how to sell account-based marketing to the sales team. According to a LinkedIn survey, 56% of B2B brands now leverage ABM. A Topo report also points out 80% of marketing teams worldwide have committed a higher return on investment from ABM initiatives. But for ABM to have any chance of success, the sales and marketing teams need to be aligned. Forrester reports that having an active collaboration between the teams to craft and execute on ABM plans have a much higher chance of exceeding their targets. For the first half of this session, Shaheen tackles the topic. Then in the second half, we answer submitted community questions on ABM. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. I think that's enough for me. Let's dive right in. Why are we talking about selling to sales teams? Um, because that is that is one of the big challenges that, that we've seen. And a lot of people have come to us and said, you know, we, we, we as marketing, we try to roll out ABM and there's not a lot of buy-in, right? And uh, and we haven't been able to get sales on board. And that was that, that was one of the main drivers that we said, you know what, we want to talk about that and 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 show people what are some of the strategies that we've implemented that have made that work, made you know, it has allowed us to get sales on board and uh, and work with with an ABM initiative. So, I think the first. Or I think the main concept behind sales and marketing alignment is and, and getting getting sales on board is that marketing approaches the concept of getting sales on board as an educational piece where the goal shouldn't be education, the goal should be co-ownership, right? And and as part of that, um, and there, there are a couple of reasons that education doesn't work. You know, marketers are like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get sales on board and we're going to show them what ABM is and, uh, and, and they're going to jump, jump on the ship, but it doesn't happen. First of all, most of the times when marketing puts on a, uh, put on an educational thing, sales sits back, they're on their phone and they're checking a bunch of other things. And in, in a lot of situations, they're not paying attention. I think there was a there was a quote that they said, "Oh, people love to learn, but they don't always love to be taught." So, uh, so, and I think that's that's really true when it comes to sales and marketing relationship. I think the other the other challenge that marketing has is in in many situations, sales loses trust in marketing, or or marketing kind of the credibility of marketing becomes weak because in the B two B space, we're we've optimized for this MQL concept. Hey, we're going to be sending you some MQLs and we're going to pass that through and sales gets that it's maybe ebook downloads or webinar attendees who are not necessarily ready to buy. And sales doesn't really get excited about that. So 
this, I think the second issue is, is losing that credibility with, um, with, with sales, right? And the third one, which is very closely tied to type this marketers, we get excited. We get excited quite a lot. And, uh, and especially for, for something new. And then we present it to the company or present it to the sales. So sales has a tendency of saying, here's the, here's the next new thing that marketing is doing, right? Here's, here's the color of the month that marketing is, uh, is, is playing around with and, and, and therefore just passes through. So I think, I think those are some of the main, main reasons uh, that, uh, that, that education doesn't necessarily work, uh, work, work really well. The other, the other challenge that, that organizations have when they want to roll out ABM and they want to set for, for sales to, to uh, buy into it is a salesperson who is working with them has seen ABM in another organization and they just don't have a good connotation towards ABM. It, it, you know, they rolled it out. It didn't work. Therefore they're like, yep, I've been there. I've been on that train. I'm not, I'm not paying attention to this. So I think those are the four things that makes education a hard one. So then you come to, all right, how do we, how do we get ownership? How do we, how do we create own co-ownership across, across ABM? I think one of the more important things about co-ownership is first of all, you, you got to stop calling it probably ABM because when you talk about account-based marketing, it becomes a marketing thing where it's really not. Uh, the, there are a bunch of other terms out there. I think John Miller likes to call it, he's the, from, from, from demand base, he calls it account-based experience, ABX. Everybody likes to call something experience these days. That's a, that's a hip thing. Um, account-based everything, account-based engagement. These are all kind of terms that detaches the, the, the a, account-based marketing from marketing and make it a more of an organizational thing. So that's one thing. The other thing is, is listening to salespeople. I think we, we don't do that as much as marketers of basically sitting down and, and having a good listen to what they're doing. I mean, you got to keep in mind, salespeople get rejected all the time, right? They're, they're trying to get people to listen to them day in, day out. And in a lot of situations, they get a lot of no's. So if, if, if marketers would approach this as, hey, I want to sit down and have a conversation. I just want to, I just want to hear what you have and what, what you're going through and what your situation is and also understand what their KPIs are. Salespeople are compensated differently than um, uh, marketers. We, we love our leads, right? And, but if you talk to an enterprise account executive, they almost would say, you know, I don't care about leads at all. Um, and, uh, and so, so understanding sales and, and, and having a conversation with them is, I think, a, probably a pretty important component for um, getting, getting buy-in from, from, from people from salespeople, because once they feel heard, then what you want to do is take what they've told you. They've said, oh, you know, I've noticed that this particular thing works really well. I've noticed that, you know, if we do these in, in events, this this works uh, quite nicely or whatever it, whatever, whatever it is that they're saying, you take that and you put it in your, in your ABM strategy. And when you present it to them, then they start to feel ownership of of that material they start to feel that there is a little bit of them in their campaign or or the initiative that you're putting together right 
So then, so the second thing is incorporating what they're telling you. Um, and I think the last one is getting them excited. Look up some case studies, look up some material that, that you can find on the web about what other people have done and, and what, what an ABM campaign could potentially look like, award-winning campaigns and present it to them because that gets them excited. That gets them thinking about, oh crap, if we run this campaign, there is a there is a much higher likelihood that I can get meetings at these accounts that we're we're targeting. By the way, that's you know that's the 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 key thing that they care about meetings. Can you are you going to get me more meetings into this account um, or not? Those are three things that I think are, are really crucial when um, when we're trying to get sales team on board. First one, listening to them for, for them to hear that they're they're heard incorporating what they're telling you into the strategy and make make a effort to show that you've done that and uh, and and third is is getting them excited by showing them some case studies um, successful case studies of what what people have done in the past that's how you sell it to sales all right i might jump in with a question there so what are some of the most common pushbacks that you get from the sales team i think i think the uh, the, the the main pushback is is this going to work? Am I going to spend my time? Uh, and and is this going to work? Because you got to keep in mind, they're the, whatever they put their effort in is going to impact their salary. So what they want, what they really want to do is they want to put their effort and time into something that is going to turn into commission. It's a very clear connection between that, right? If you're not going to, you're not able to provide enough evidence that that the campaign that you're going to work is going to lead to more meetings for them, a higher likelihood into, in, in terms of penetrating into an account, uh, a higher likelihood of turning something into an opportunity, or a higher likelihood of moving a deal through a pipeline. If you're not able to show that, sales is going to push back and, and they're not going to get committed engaging into the campaign with you. So I think that's the that's a major pushback that you're going to see. Do you want to start getting into some of the submitted questions? All right, let's do it. Let's let's well, jump into Brooke's question. Brooke, you, you there? Let's uh, let's 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 bring you up, man. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, hey, sir. Hey guys. How's it going, man? Yeah, good. How are you? Not bad. Pretty good. So, Brooke, what did, you had a question? What what was the question? You, you send it through. Yeah, I suppose it's 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 specific to the stage that our companies are. So we're small, uh, under-resourced, um, small small commercial team. So my question was really around, how, like, how do, you, how do you think about getting started with account-based marketing um, when it's such a small team? Um, and is it something you can kind of build from the start um, opposed to, you know, we, we don't have any, you know, preconceived notions. We don't have a sales team. We don't really have a marketing function. We have a growth function. So is that, you know, is, is it worth sort of spending the time and setting those foundations in the early days so that this is, you know, just part of part of the team moving forward or part of the culture moving forward? I guess that's the best way to articulate yeah. it. Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I think the first thing that you got to take into consideration is actually does it does it even fit the business model? Because the truth is, even though there is some content out there that says B2B is ABM um, and, and there's a book titled that, um, it's not the case. It's there's there's some organizations that can't benefit from ABM. I mean, if you are not in complex sales environment, meaning that you have to sell to multiple decision makers, if you are not selling high ticket items, 
meaning that your you know your your average client value or customer value or contract value is you know below i would say maybe 30 40,000, right? If if those are some of the components that that you see in your organization, it's really hard to make ABM work, right? But if you if you have those 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 pieces align and you say, you know what? Well, maybe not all of our customers are there, but there are definitely some customers that we can we can objectively identify through whatever platform it is, whatever it, whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's it's a third party provider that can give you that information. We can identify accounts that are of high value to our organization. If that is the case, then you can you can definitely build the foundation from from a get go. And what you see is a lot of organization would have maybe two go-to-market strategy where they would have their demand gen uh, activity where, where it's focused on those smaller players, um, maybe maybe lower mid-market uh, SMB. And then they would have their, their account-based strategy for, for larger, larger deals and larger organizations. You could definitely have that at the same time moving, moving forward. The, the best place to start for an organization, if if they're okay, so if you're starting with ABM and you have very high LTV, like we're talking in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, even in the millions, the the best place to start and you can see show results is picking a handful of accounts and work with them, right, and create a strategy for them. But if you are in a situation where your accounts are at the lower end, they are in you know twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand, forty thousand dollar range, right? Uh, in terms of the lifetime value of a customer, then in that situation, you want to start from it with a programmatic strategy. So you want to, again, rely, your ABM strategy is going to be a lot closer to your, your to your demand gen with, with, with very clear targeting layering. So you want to, um, you want to have your sales a lot more involved. You, you will do less personalization. So the area that you want to look at is programmatic ABM. Um, and, and, uh, and, and sales for targeted accounts. That's where I would, those two categories, that's how I would think about it. If you're really large, start from the, from the strategic accounts and, and one to few. If you are, um, if you, if your LTVs are smaller, start from the other end. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's a good distinction. Like it doesn't, does it, it's not a one size fits all. It doesn't, doesn't suit every organization. Um, especially, you know, for us targeting SMBs predominantly, maybe it's maybe it's not the right fit um, from the get-go. Um, but then as we, you know, start to think about moving up the value chain, it's something that we kind of layer in. Yeah, and you're, you're so right. I, I say this quite often that, you know, even for organizations who have a large LTV, it's not necessarily the same thing. So when Oracle runs a... So if you look at the ABM pyramid... And maybe we should do a talk on that later on. Um, if you look at the ABM pyramid, where you have one to one at the top, one to one to few, and then one to many, if you look at that, and then Oracle does one to one for a fifty million dollar deal, right? Your one to one. If you're a SaaS company that has a you know an LTV of a million dollar, your one you you can still do one to one campaigns, but your one to one is very different than Oracle's one to one. Oracle probably is going to have a million dollar budget for just that one deal um, where the, your whole deal is a million dollars, right? So, so even at, at, a, at a certain stage, 
or a certain tier of ABM, your ABM strategy could be could be quite different compared to uh, compared to another organization. So, so that and that's the tricky part about ABM. You know, everyone everyone thinks it's it's a it's a fixed structure of hey, we're doing one to few. And that's the, everybody knows what that means. No, they're not, they don't, it's going to be different for your organization. And, uh, and I think, and I think from what you, what you, what you were saying, if you're targeting SMB, yeah, you, you're going to start with, um, with, with one too many and, uh, and working closely with, uh, with, with the SDR. Do you have SDR team, um, sales development team? Only, or? From, only from partnerships at the moment. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you don't you don't do any direct to uh, any outbound direct to market. No, not at the moment. Okay, that's hard. That's going to be hard. Yeah. To, but it's uh, something with it, as I said, like we're at a very early stage. Um, it's something that we'll probably be thinking about in you know the next six to nine months, really, um, as part of the go to market strategy. But it's yeah, it's obviously obviously very early early stage, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, I think I think think about. Think about ABM when you bring the STRs on board, and when you have that STR support. Um, and and if you think about that early on when they come on board, it's a lot easier to to kind of engrave the the, the account strategy mindset in there versus when people are there for a while and then you want to introduce it. That's 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 a lot harder than uh, than introducing it right at get go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so build it into the onboarding process really. Yeah. A lot easier, a lot easier. Nice, cool. Thanks. What else do we got, Alex? Well, uh, we've got a question that links in rather nicely uh, nicely that, that was submitted only about 20 minutes ago from Sam, who's on the call. So, Sam, if you want to clarify anything on this question, please. Uh, Sam, jump, jump on, on, man. But, hello, hello, hello. We haven't chatted in a long time, Sam. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, good to chat good. with you. Uh, good to have you. What's going on? What's 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 the question? What do we got? Uh, it was a bit of a, a like I, I don't have the question in front of me because I submitted it through a form, but it was um it was actually kind of a yeah a bit of a dovetails from Brooks' question. Um, so we um like we don't have an SDR or business development or sales team currently, but we're about to hire up. So my question was, um, if you were starting from scratch and had the benefits of that what would be your kind of sequence of hires and what sort of traits would you be looking for knowing that um, the type of customers and the type of, um, you know, sales trucks that you're looking for is probably leaning much heavily toward, much more heavily towards a, an ABM kind of framework. Um, okay. So, yeah, so my question is like, what would you look for and what would be a good sequence if you're a startup? Got it. And and are you are you? Let me ask this: Are you bringing the SCRs on board for outbound or inbound um, inquiries? Initially, uh, inbound. So we uh, we've sort of spent our kind of growth in the last twelve months on uh, self serve, you know, SMBs. Um, we have some like really good enterprises that are kind of that high annual contract value or potential, and and they've come through inbound. And so part of part of the roles are dedicated people to work those early leads that come in and self-serve and have high potential because they're Fortune 500 companies who just love the product and start using it on a credit card. And then there, there will be an element of outbound as well where there's sort of maybe marketing qualified uh, levels um, of interaction, but not kind of, you know, product qualified, you know, using the product. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely sales uh, development, I think, 
um, but yeah, a hybrid, I guess, between straight outbound, like here's a here's a target prospect, and more like you know here's someone who's engaged but hasn't kind of followed through on the normal, um, you know, path of self serve and trial that we would normally um, see. Got it, got it. And let me let me ask this this last question. So do do you currently who closes the deal? Um, in the organization, it's, it's my it's myself or the CEO. Um, okay, we literally don't have a sales team, so it's basically like I, I look after product and and growth, which is essentially you know marketing, um, setting up our commercial products, um, you know all, all of that kind of stuff. And so we're now at that kind of inflection point, you know, doing fundraising and so on, where we're about to hire up um, like dedicated roles in that space. So because um, you know we we can't we can't handle the demand ourselves. That's awesome. Brooke, Brooke shake, shakes his hand. It, sound, it sounds like he's doing sales as well. Just like so. Yeah, we're, we're in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> what would be the hierarchy of, of hire? I would hire two SDRs, not one, specifically at the beginning. Hire two because mm-hmm. two is going gonna, is gonna to tell you, first of all, is something wrong with your process? Or is, or is the or is the hire is not good so if you hire only one person you can't tell whether you made a bad hire or your system and processes are, are not are not working right and also you create a lot more competition uh, between two members so make sure you hire two SDRs and SDRs are, are the right place to start because you have the um, you have the resources well you are able to close right and that's a much easier um, uh, sorry, much much harder thing to hire to, for a closer, and they're a lot more expensive. If you got to go and hire an AE, you're talking in the you know hmm. eighty to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars salaries. They're they're a lot more um, experience and yada yada yada. So definitely go with the SDR um, role. Hire for uh, hire two people, and maybe it's it's fine to have a mix of uh, of maybe 50% of their attention goes to inbound, 50% goes to, to outbound. Again, yeah. have that divide for both of them and don't go and say, you're an outbound SDR, you're an inbound SDR. Mm-hmm. Um, have that divide for both of them so that they their KPIs are, are quite um, quite similar. And uh, and and start from there. I, I, I wanted to tell you something else, but yeah, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, <clears throat> we've had a, yeah, we, our thinking has been to kind of approach it more holistically in the beginning as well, rather than create divisions of labor and specialization. Um, so that, um, and you know, we were leaning more towards an SDR, thinking that it, uh, like an SDR structure rather than having a account exec kind of supporting and just going, let that person be the one stop call for everything because they, you know, as we grow, probably whoever those first hires are, because they'll be territorial hires in our minds. Like we're thinking, you know, one European time zone, one North American time zone um, would kind of need to grow that team. So they kind of need to be fairly general as well, just around process and customer knowledge and things like that as we, you know, grow those teams. Mm. Um, what I would what I would say, um, Sam, is don't expect them to necessarily close the deal, right? So you are going to be involved in terms of closing the deal. Usually when you hire an SDR role, their responsibility, sometimes SDR, by the way, comes under marketing and -hmm. it's not under sales. So when you hire an SDR role, their their job and the KPIs that they're compensated by is, um, you know, how many opportunities can you create? 
So opportunities created or qualified meetings that they will book for you and your CEO to go and close. Mm. Okay. So try to keep that as simple as possible um, for them, especially in the early days when they're not familiar with the product, they don't know how, how it works. They're, the the KPIs that they're measured on is how many meetings are you are you booking? How many of those they're they're showing up? And yeah. then how qualified those are. And then what you can also do, and some organizations do, you can tie that that a little bit to um, to uh, uh, their compensation as well. So sorry, to their um, to the revenue as well. So you can say maybe 20% of their compensation is tied to, um, to to revenue. So if you are able to close that deal, hey, they're going to get a kick so that they're even more motivated in terms of booking qualified qualified meetings for you. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I would approach it. And then think about it as these people are going to later on get promoted to an AE role, and then you're going to, again, hire for, for that SDR, um, mm. uh, SDR role. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good advice. Thank you. No problem. No problem. <laughs> what else do we got, Alex? Um, maybe we'll move on to Tracy's question. She's not on the call, but it's a great question. How do you get sales to come to you with their account challenge, not the solution? I.e., we need an ebook, we need a dinner, etc. Um, all right. Okay. So, so I, I'm guessing the question is, yeah. How do you how do you get them to come come to you with their challenge? Did you say? Rather right. than coming with, coming to you with instructions, uh, which which is very common for for sales to uh, to do, and to come and say, you know, I want you do some more events for us. Um, I think the the key component comes from that first step that I talked about. That marketing needs to develop a better understanding of sales. Uh, we we need to talk about. We need to understand their KPIs. We need to understand the the. The, the numbers that they care about, and I'll tell you that this, they're not, they don't care about much about leads um, as much as us marketers love to talk about it. They don't, they don't care much about MQLs because they're like, you know, what, what are the criteria that you're putting in place? You're giving me uh, MQLs. And organizations motivate marketing in many situations wrongly by saying, hey, marketing has a KPI of hitting this many MQLs. Well, you know, when marketing is not hitting those, they you, you have levers to to use in order to um, uh, in order to move those uh, move those numbers around. So I would say have multiple conversations with sales, and and you have to you have to extract it from them rather than um, rather than them coming to you and say this is a challenge that we're having. Salespeople are, are proud people. Um, they're they're not going to come and say this is a problem that I'm that I'm having. It, it very, I mean, there definitely are situations that will happen, but it's not very common. So I think those conversations that gets initiated from marketing solves that problem and addresses it. But it was a good question. Yeah, great. Well, we got a few more. How do we set targets for pipeline generated and activities accordingly? Okay, so I'm thinking I'm thinking this is a KPI question. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is a this is a big misconception when it comes to ABM, and she 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 touched on pipeline generated. So ABM usually is a pipeline pipeline influence activity rather than pipeline generation activity. So demand gen is all about pipeline gen, and and that's fine because marketing is usually able to derive drive demand 
and pipeline when it comes to SMB becomes much harder as you start to go up market. Yes, you're still going to get uh, inbound inquiries that are going to come in and from larger organizations, but it drastically drops uh, for, for those larger organizations to come and knock on your door and, uh, and say, hey, I want to I talk to, uh, I, I'm looking to, to buy. Like that Fortune 500 companies, very difficult. Very, very rarely it happens. I would, I would say, you know, most organizations when they're looking at their numbers, that's in maybe you know one percent, two percent, three percent of their inquiries might be from from there. And sometimes it is the right person. Sometimes not the decision maker. You know, you kind of go in there, you realize there's like three other, four other, sometimes ten other decision makers you got to influence in order for this to go through. So it's really important for, for companies to realize that when they're rolling out an ABM initiative and they're going after those larger accounts, they're really looking at pipeline influence rather than pipeline generation. Now, and their metrics need to be around pipeline influence. Now, people might say that that's not as, as sexy and, uh, hey, we want to be able to, um, we want to be able to measure that, that pipeline generation, because pipeline generation is sexier. Marketing can, can basically say, hey, we are generating these, these leads. But I'll give you an example. One, one client that we had, and we work with them where their outbound efforts were in a usual outbound, in, in the usual ranges of, um, of 2 to 5% um, uh, penetration and booking meetings at the target accounts, right? Layer an account-based strategy on top of that. The, the first campaign that we ran with them, their booking rates went from between two to 5% to 24%. So that all of a sudden becomes a very awesome metric to talk about. And, and it has a massive impact on the organization where you say, hey, we were targeting 100 companies, we're booking four meetings, and now we're targeting 100 companies, we're bo booking 24 meetings. That's where you start to see uh, the differences. Now, here's the challenge. Most marketers draw a line between this is marketing, and now we're passing it on to sales, and sales is doing its thing. When you're looking at pipeline influence, you have to be fully ingrained with what is happening in the sales front. You know, what were the booking, you, you know, uh, a prospect targeted to prospect having a meeting ratio? What is a meetings book to meetings held ratio? So you have to look at all these ratios that traditionally were looked at as, as a sales function, but now marketing can have a massive impact on increasing those and then taking those numbers saying, hey, before running an ABM campaign, we had a our no-show rate was massive. We would book meetings and nobody would show up now. And, and the ratio of that was, you know, a realistic ratio was 40%. Okay. Now we are running these ABM, this ABM campaign, this ABM initiative that has come up to 70%. So looking at those ratios, you can very clearly show to the business, the impact that, that ABM is having. That being said, Yes, you can still look at uh, that pipeline generation that does happen, but I think a lot of marketers shoot themselves in the foot when they're running an ABM campaign. They, they promise, we're going to bring all these MQAs, 
marketing qualified accounts. We're going to bring all these MQAs and it's going to be amazing. And they shoot themselves in the foot because it's it's not going to happen as as uh, as as much as they, they love love it to happen. It's not going to happen. The biggest impact is going to be working with an SDR team, targeting outbound accounts, um, and then seeing from all the efforts that you're putting in, in terms of engagement with accounts, in terms of uh, brand awareness, and and then some of the other components that you would roll out, seeing what how that is it, how that's going to impact their numbers. Uh, so that's how I would go about measuring your your ABM. But we should definitely do a session on uh, it's it's a it's a deep topic. Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe we'll go with Elizabeth's question here. Um, I'm interested in how ABM can be applied to have better dialogue with clients. So ABM is applied to three areas, right? It, you apply ABM in you apply ABM when you're when you're looking at acquisition. Right, so when when you're when you're trying to acquire net new acquisition, you apply ABM. You can apply ABM when you're doing pipeline acceleration. So so a lot of things that we touched on right now, where hey, we have this deal that is in the pipeline, and usually our sales cycle is six months, and we want to see if we can bring that down to four or to five because that's going to have a measurable impact. On, on the revenue that the business is generating. So that's another area that ABM can be applied. And then the last component is, uh, is around advocacy, upsell, cross-sell, and account expansion, increasing your share of wallet of, uh, of, of, a, of a current customer. And that's, I guess, where Elizabeth's question um, relates to of, of how can that be applied to, um, to an existing customer. And there are, there are tons of strategies in there. There, are, you know, where you could leverage ABM. You you bring your biggest client, and you you so you you first have to prioritize your clients, and you have to talk to your sales uh, sales team to say, you know, let's let's do maybe a mate build a matrix, or or if you're a smaller organization, you just have a couple conversations. And your question is. Tell me which are the accounts that have the highest potential for growth. You know, they're paying us $200,000 right now, but there could be a million dollar account. So, so let's, let's identify who those accounts are and then let's put strategies in terms of engaging them further. And those become strategies that, are, that, are, that could be very bespoke to an account. This could be as simple as, you know, let's, Let's bring our customer on a, on a podcast and, and build deeper relationship. Let's do bespoke webinars just for their account. Um, let's do bespoke events just for that account. Let's do uh, bespoke content uh, that, that we're going to generate just for that account. And, and, and in a lot of situations, you're, you're enabling sales to deliver that. So, so sales will come and say, you know what, this is a problem they're having. Can we create something or can we inform them a little bit better? Or this is a question that I got from them that they're having difficulty using this, this platform. Can I bring users or, or bring resources from within the company in order to, uh, to, to, to help them out with that? So those are some of the, some of the strategies. And, and a lot of those budgets sits with marketing. Marketing has a lot of that budget that they can leverage. That, frankly, in most companies, they uh, they're they're not engaged. Last thing that I would say there is for customer advocacy and deepening relationship with customers. What you see a lot is marketing starting to work with customer success 
in order to deepen those relationships. And marketing says, hey, we have all this stuff around the content that we can create. We have all these resources from some of the tools that we have. Hey, customer success, what do you need? What are some of the challenges that that your customer, our existing customers are having that we can help with? So um, that relationship maybe sometimes shifts a little bit depending on organizational structure uh, from the account executive to the customer success team. That being said, some organizations, it's still account executive who's responsible for the account's growth. That's how you kind of deepen relationships with customers. Which is a question yeah. from uh, Nuam as well. Let's uh, do it. Nuam, you, you, you read the question then, and then we'll, we'll, we'll bring Nuam on, on. What's sure. the question? How can ABM help during a tender process? Oh, right. Yeah, Nuam, yeah, yeah. You, you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> All right. Tender process. Are you, do you have like a situation right at, at hand now that uh, that you're thinking about? Um, yeah, we've had a few in the last sort of um, 12 months. And going into enterprise sales has been a newer thing for our company. Um, so mm. we've got, we have a team that's, you know, um, has been doing um, SMB selling to agency owners, you know, for the last 10 20 years um, and, and it's a very different process and now we're going into having a, a, a new solution and an uh, enterprise solution we're going out to completely um, not completely new but just sort of a corporate market instead and so we have some people who are sort of semi-experienced and some people who are experienced in that team and we've only just separated them out what uh, and we're all learning through this process what normally happens with the corporate market for our product um, division is that um, for for probably 90% of them, it's a tender process. So the guys will do all this work to try and um, uh, outbound sell to corporates and try to talk to this to the right people, barking up all these different trees until they reach the right person. The right person will say, oh, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know. We might include you in our next tender process um, when it comes up in two years. Uh, sometimes they hit them at the right time and they say, oh, look, we're actually looking into this at the moment. That's one part of this. Um, and so the last 12 months we've found, okay, so there's a tender process we have to go through. We have to, we're getting better at it, but it's all very systematic. And it's, you know, here's a bunch of questions. Here's a couple of things that we want from you. We have to all prepare that. And then it kind of goes into the dark until, you know, we can hear back from them. Um, and then we're only ever dealing with one or two people from the company. And I just feel like, we could have so much more of an influence if we knew who, who all the different players were at those companies. Um, and maybe we should have done that in the beginning, maybe, uh, or maybe or maybe not. Um, but once a tender does come out and then we get to apply for it, is there something that uh, as a team, and particularly as a marketing team, we can do to help along that process? Yeah. I love this question, and I actually think we need to we need to give us a, like a dedicated session to, uh, to to touch on this. But I'll I'll tell you some of the thoughts that I have right now. Okay, so so the the first approach. So if an, if if we get an opportunity in an account, right, the first thing that I would do from from the marketing standpoint is let's identify all key stakeholders. So let's go through a process where um, we we 
you know, we might have to hire somebody, we might have to get someone on part-time, but we want to understand who are the main decision makers and how much in, and build as much information as possible on, on them. Uh, what's their LinkedIn profile? Can we get their contact information? Have they been posting anything? Uh, all, all their details. That's the, that's the first thing that I would do. The easiest thing to do in, in that situation, um, uh, when, when the, the next for the next step is take a case study that is relevant to them and go on LinkedIn. And if, if it's tender process, it means a large, large organization. I would target all the people in that organization with a case study that, that, that you have and making sure that, that everybody is going to see, in that organization is going to see your case study. They're going to, and, and, and then recycle that, have different content that is you're going to be putting out. If, if some of it might be educational, some of it might be uh, might be very clearly um, uh, kind of promotional from your standpoint in terms of in terms of your case studies. I would target them from that standpoint in order to make sure everybody in that organization is familiar with your brand. So when when they're sitting at a boardroom and they're saying, you know, here are all the all the, all the people and all the companies that have applied. The CFO all of a sudden goes on, you know, I've seen their, I've seen their um, ads. I've seen their logo before. There is, at, at a minimum, there is going to be brand recognition at their side. Because even though the tender process is to get a, the right price, they don't necessarily always go for the cheapest. Um, usually, maybe it's in the middle or, um, or if, if there's something very specialized that would, they would require someone really good. So... So it's not necessarily your price. Brand recognition is have, have a ma massive impact. But guess what? The CFO is not in the in the space that you are, and therefore they have no brand recognition of most of the brands that are that are going in there. The CFO is not in. I don't know if if you're selling a marketing automation tool, CFO doesn't know what what's in the market. But if you have targeted the CFO on, and this is the this most simplest way you could do it, you go on LinkedIn, you say this company, just show this ad. And make sure your brand, your logo is pretty big. Make sure it's it's very clear for that organization who you are. And when somebody's scrolling through LinkedIn, and the reason I say LinkedIn is is because probably it's the easiest platform to do that. If you want to go even one one level, uh, you you want to you want to become even a bit more sophisticated. You can use IP targeted ads. There are a lot of those out there. Um, some of them are expensive. Some of them are not. And with IP targeted ads, you do the same thing, but that allows you to target them across the um, uh, across the web. So you know you you, you basically leveraging uh, the um, their their partnerships and, and the editorials that they have. So your your reach is going to be broader than than LinkedIn. You also have to be very clear with your the company's leadership team that hey. We are running this for brand recognition. We are not running this for them to convert on our landing page and become a lead. That's not the objective here. The, the, the number one reason we're doing this is that so when they're sitting at their desk in their boardroom and then there's the COO or you know it's whoever it is that might not be really relevant to us or, or not know us very well, they would have some brand recognition. That's at a minimum what I would do. But I want to dig a little bit deeper into that and uh, and and maybe even do a session on this, Alex. Does but does that make sense, Noam? Yeah, it does. Um, 
and I suppose you do a lot of that sort of targeted advertising um, to that account via LinkedIn. And I think it's a good idea because often in Tinder processes, they can't wine and dine with um, with their people. And uh, so the salesperson's kind of tired as well. They can't be going and trying to offer them anything. Um, and so it, it's like a, a way to get around. So that's that's good. I like it. Yeah, but but yeah, the, I think the key is don't restrict your um, your uh, targeting to your ideal persona within that organization because frankly, you have no idea who are some of the decision makers that are going to make a call True. on um, on 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 your deal. So that's why you want to go broad and you say, you know, what, I want to target this whole company, and and if you go and target a whole company, if they're large enough you can be very creative with your ads. I've seen ads where, you know, you even put their logo and your own logo on the ad because, hey, nobody else is going to be seeing that logo, that, that, that ad. So you could, you could get very creative with, uh, with things that you can do online. And most of the times, these organizations don't have rules and regulations about, hey, what can you advertise when they're running a, t- a tender? They're kind of corporate laws or co- corporate uh, uh, standards haven't caught up to... Uh, to online advertising. <laughs> like it. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> no problem. All right. What else do we got, Alex? Or uh, or is this a is this a wrap? Well, we don't have any more audience questions right now. Yeah, go on. I've got a question I'd like to ask. Are, are there cases of sales teams and organizations already following an account-based approach and, and they're not realizing it? I mean, look, a solid question. So Sales has always been doing ABM, right? And to some degree, a light version of ABM. They've they've always been talking, sales has always been talking about accounts. And it's all of a sudden, marketing is is kind of catching up and talking about accounts, especially when it comes to enterprise and, and large large deals. I mean, leads is still relevant when talking about smaller organizations. But, but in terms of enterprise, marketing is just catching up and it, marketing is bringing a level of sophistication that was not there when it comes to sales account approach or, or account-based approach. So absolutely, um, a lot of sales has been as accounts. You know, sales says, I closed this account, I closed that account. So they, they're they already talking about it and they've been talking about accounts for a long time. Um, and, it, and to some degree, it's marketing that is catching up. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that we're catching up and we're getting at the same level. We're definitely bringing a level of le- level of sophistication that is not there in um, in in sales today. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to join our next ABM Talk session live, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for the support and we'll see you in the next one.